0: What's up, what's up, what's up, Snap Survivors? I am Tasha Pierce. This is After the Snap, a virtual refugee camp for everyone affected by Thanos Snap. So thank you, thank you, thank you for joining me for another Friday episode. And if you're new here, welcome to the show welcome to the party kick your feet up and stay around for a little while today we will be continuing our mcu watch party that is leading up to avengers Endgame with today's installment which is guardians of the galaxy volume one guardians of the galaxy was released august 1st 2014 it is directed by james gunn and i think we'll dive a little bit more into james gunn in our next episode. Um, it's the first non-Avengers movie developed by Disney. It's based on a comic that first appeared with this team in April 2008. So it's probably like long after I stopped being the, the comic book reading type. Long after. However, the the feel for the characters never left me. So, like I said, released August 1st, 2014 and it grabbed $94.3 million from uh, the weekend box office in the first weekend. That is an August weekend record. We saw it get 91% on Rotten Tomatoes, which makes it what? Certified Fresh, that's right, and uh, 76 on Metacritic. The budget for this movie was $232 million. The box office gave back 773 million dollars. So it's a pretty profitable movie, especially because the characters are kind of B-list characters. They are not the most commonly known characters from the Marvel Comics universe, but boy did they make a splash in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. It had a runtime of 122 minutes and it just felt like seconds as we sat there and watched it. This is one of the few um, MCU movies that I did not see in theaters. So the first time I watched it, I believe it was digitally. I was going through some things, you know, sometimes uh, adulting gets to be a bit heavy. And I was going through a heavy period when these movies came out and I just didn't get to the movies and then I reawakened to find out that I had missed something pretty darn big you know (laughs) um this movie starts in 1988 following the death of Peter Jason Quill's mother and we find him abducted from earth by the ravagers that's a group of space pirates led by Yondu Undonta And then 26 years later, on the planet Morag, Quill steals a mysterious orb. Then he gets attacked by Korath. And Korath is played by Jaman Hunsu. And let me tell you, he's got to be the hardest working man in the cinematic multiverse. So here he plays Korath. And we've also seen him quite recently as uh, the Fisherman King in Aquaman. He'll play the wizard in Shazam and he reprises the role of Korath for Captain Marvel. That's an awful lot of work in a lot of different cinematic universes. So kudos to Jamal Hunsu for being able to balance all of these different characters in these different franchises. Korath is a subordinate to the fanatical Kree, Ronan the Accuser. Although Quill escapes with the orb, Yandu discovers his theft and issues a bounty for his capture, while Ronan sends the assassin Gamora after the orb. So Yandu's uh, bounty is a, a wanted alive bounty of 40,000 units. After being challenged about that bounty and being told he was soft on Quill, Yandu announces that he plans to kill Quill himself. So then we find ourselves on the Dark Aster, the Cree warship, and it's designed after a mausoleum. That's uh, per the director, James Gunn. He explained that he based the design on the, of this ship after a mausoleum of all things. So here on the Dark Aster, we meet terrorist, radical, zealot. Ronan the Accuser, while he beheads a citizen of Xandar in opposition to a peace treaty, his people, the Kree, yep, same Kree from Captain Marvel. So his people, the Kree signed a peace treaty with Xandar and he opposes. So he's out just being uh, a radical terrorist basically. And after finishing, he enlists Nebula, daughter of Thanos to retrieve the orb. In a display of toxic sibling rivalry, Gamora upstages her sister and says she'll be getting that orb for daddy. Uh, we learn that she is genetically modified and on lend to Ronan by Thanos, who will destroy Xandar for, for Ronan once he gets the orb. So, meanwhile, Peter is trying to unload the orb on Xandar to a dealer that Yandu had an agreement with, saying he was nearly killed by some warriors working for Ronan. Upon mentioning that name, the dealer reneges because he don't want the wrath of Ronan falling on him. He kicks Quill out of his shop, where Quill runs into Gamora, and she plays seductively with him before making her move for the orb. And in the meantime, Rocket and Groot are closing in on Quill because they want to collect Yondu's bounty. After causing a major disruption on Xandar, the four are arrested. And we find Nova Prime appealing to a Kree ambassador asking him to denounce Ronan the Accuser's atrocities publicly. And that ambassador basically tells her that Ronan is her problem. Now Rocket, we find out, is the result of illegal genetic and cybernetic experiments on a lower life form he's escaped from 22 prisons and he's not worried about escaping from this one we meet Groot who is a humanoid plant that is rocket's personal muscle he only says three words i am Groot well we know about quill we've already told his backstory he's uh for all intents and purposes a human from Earth who was abducted in 1988. We find out that Chris Pratt had to lose 60 pounds to get the quill physique. And he and he did it. Uh, James Gunn said he would have kept him for the part even if he was overweight. Chris Pratt set about losing that 60 pounds. And boy, I'm saying that because the uh, actual scene where he uh, was first taken to prison and Had his shirt off, you know, he's proudly showing his physique and he should have because uh, he put in the work to lose that weight. Also here at the prison, Gamora reveals that she is betraying Thanos and Ronan and plans to sell the orb herself. In the Nova Corps prison, we catch our first glimpse of Drax the Destroyer. He plans to kill Gamora because Thanos and Ronan killed his family. Quill talks him down and they all begin to plot their escape. And once they get out, they'll sell the orb for 4 billion units and split the profits. Word travels fast of Gamora's betrayal, and Thanos demands an audience with Ronan. And in the MCU, Ronan is an admiral serving under Thanos, combining his roles from a couple of comic book arcs. And at the sanctuary domain of Thanos, Ronan gets two choices from the Mad Titan. A, bring me the orb and I'll honor our agreement. Or B, come back empty-handed and I'll bathe the stormways in your blood. And I don't really, I don't know. It's really one choice. <laughs> also, this is where we learn that Gamora is Thanos' favorite. He says this like right in front of Nebula. So, yay that knows great parenting you know so back at the prison rocket tells the team exactly what he needs uh for them to make their escape he needs an armband from one of the security guards a prosthetic leg and a Quarnix battery from a box on the wall 20 feet in the air and in the midst of the most heavily guarded part of the prison So as they discuss the impossibility of getting this battery, we see Groot in the background easily snatching it off the wall right before Rocket says it should be the last of the items retrieved. So chaos. (laughs) And in the midst of this chaos, Rocket gets help from Drax. Gamora acquires the armband and Quill comes back with the leg only to find out that Rocket didn't really need it. Just was kidding. So anyway, Gamora fears that she's going to die surrounded by the biggest idiots in the galaxy. And then Rocket sucks the gravity out of the prison and the renegades take off in the watchtower minus Quill. See, so he went back to get his Walkman from a guard who took it from him at the beginning when they first got to the, uh, to, to the prison on Xandar. After they all meet up in the Milano where Quill threatens to... Uh, Bring out a black light and reveal his shenanigans. Uh, then we see Ronan and Nebula arrive at the prison too late, so he orders the death of everyone there, so Nova won't know what they were after. So Yandu makes it to the dealer, and he demands to know who would want the orb and what it's for by holding the shopkeeper at a sentient arrow point. We cut to nowhere. And the mystery buyer is Tannelier Tavon, the Collector. Nowhere is said to be the severed head of a celestial being. Yuck. And anyway, the team does some gambling while waiting for the Collector's representative. So in the meantime, Gamora tells Quill the story of Thanos killing her parents in front of her when he conquered her home world and then he tortured and weaponized her. Now, we know at this point that she is apparently exaggerating a bit since we saw her first encounter with Thanos in Infinity War. So anyway, Quill and Gamora share a somewhat tender moment until they notice a huge fight in the gambling hall. It's Rocket and Drax. So they jump to break it up. Rocket and Drax are drunk and Rocket is in his feelings. He's really in his emotions at this point. But anyway, the collector's assistant finally arrives for the group. The collector explains to them that inside the orb is an infinity stone. He shows a recording of the stones in use. And one montage in particular features a celestial named Esan the Searcher using, I'm sorry, that's Esan the Searcher using the power stone to destroy a planet. The Collector's assistant attempts to grab the Power Stone and causes a a catastrophic explosion. While Quill and company are visiting the Collector and afterwards figuring out what to do with the stone, Drax's dumb ass is calling Ronan to meet him on Nowhere. At the same time, Yondu is there coming for for Quill. Drax gets his ass kicked by Ronan, Nebula gets the orb, and Gamora is floating in space, dying. So Quill sacrifices his freedom and his life to save Gamora. Groot saves Drax. Rocket, Groot, and Drax decide to save Gamora and Quill. And Ronan betrays Thanos because he has the Power Stone and he can destroy Xandar himself. Then Nebula betrays her father because Ronan will kill him after he destroys Xandar. Yay! And there's lots of saving and betraying except... Gamora and Quill don't need saving. They struck a deal with Yandu to use his army to attack Ronin and take back the orb. And they come up with a plan and set out on their mission to Xandar. Great battle sequences between the Ravagers, the Kree, and the Nova Corps, especially when the Nova Corps uh, form that blockade. And when Yandu takes out a whole troop with the sentient arrow, it was just dope. And then Korath met a terrible end at the hands of Drax the Destroyer. The sister fight between Gamora and Nebula was intense till the end. And then Ronan the Accuser showed us the true power that the Power Stone is capable of absorbing and releasing. So now the Dark Aster crashes as Groot protects his friends from the impact um, and he perishes. But Rocket managed to save a stem to replant. And then Quill goes into Kevin Bacon mode, singing Ooh Chow to distract the, the accuser, oh, while Rocket and Drax blow the stone out of his weapon. Peter barehand catches the stone, but before he is destroyed, his friends lock hands with him and they are able to contain it. Now Yandu. After they've contained the stone and then we get rid of Drax, I mean, we get rid of Ronan the Accuser. Yondu is coming for the orb and for Star-Lord and Star-Lord hands it over to him, except it was fake. Now Rocket mourns and Drax comforts him and Quill learns that he is not 100% human, but Nova Prime is uncertain what the ancient origin of his father is. And he finally opens that gift from his mom. And it turns out to be a mixtape. And we learn the origin of his nickname, Star-Lord. That was his mom's name for him. And then, by the way, when Yandu opens the orb, there's a troll doll inside. And after Rocket pots the stem from Groot, we see a mini Groot growing. And he loves dancing and music. And, of course, we do know that there is a part two. We'll be covering it next week. And we learn a little bit more about Baby Groot. So this, again, was one of the more obscure titles in the MCU library. But guess what? It works. It it worked for me. It worked for audiences all over the world. In fact, uh, this was an excellent entry. And Kevin Feige uh, said that, hey, we had Thor kind of hint that we were going to go into space a little bit, go to cosmic sides of the the story and for an initial entry into the cosmic side of the MCU, just getting out there in the stars a little bit. This was a great initial entry. And of course, every week I give uh, the movie a rating on my Five point scale, and today is no different. This movie will get a four point5 out of five. and last week I gave like a 4 point75. So this week it's a four point5. I love this movie. i I hate that I didn't see it in theaters. In fact, they were doing I believe an MCU first ten years watch party at AMC theaters this past summer, maybe early fall whenever it was, if I didn't have to work, I intended to go to every last one of them to see these movies in IMAX and in H, uh, and I'm sorry, or, and, or 3d, because I'm a geek like that, you know, um, it's been said, and I won't say any names that true fans watch all the movies on Blu-ray. So uh, of course, I was saying to myself, I must not be a true fan because I don't own a Blu-ray player. Well, I I watch all my movies digitally. I carry my movies around with me pretty much everywhere I go. So if you were to see me at the mall, we could have a seat and watch Guardians of the Galaxy together. So just keep that in mind if you're in Houston. (laughs) So, yes, I am very ready. I, I really was truly considering doing Guardians 1 and 2 both this week, probably, possibly should have done it. I'm going to look and see where I can double up movies somewhere else. I believe that these movies deserve to get the, uh, the full, what, 20 minutes of just talking about the movie, discussing the plot, Discussing the facts that surround the movie, uh, how audiences received it, how the critics received it, how much money it received, all of that good stuff. I think this these movies deserve to, you know, get that treatment. And thus I'm going to give it to them. And next week we will be covering Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2, where shit gets even more real. I'm recording a little late today. I laid around and lounged around and lazed around and all that stuff, ended up watching uh, Star Trek Discovery before I recorded, which was supposed to, I was supposed to have recorded earlier today. So I watched Star Trek Discovery and I see they're going in, I see what direction they're taking with this season. And I'm not mad, even though if you watch it, you watched it. If you don't watch it, you you ain't going to care anyway, but. Discovery appears to be taking on the subject of, of uh, religion. And if you notice, over the years in Star Trek, all the different shows that came out, even most of the movies, they kind of just a little avoided the subject of religion. And not in its entirety, they may have hinted at religion here and there especially the the religions as they are right now today or as they are uh in our time because star trek is always supposed to be a couple hundred years ahead of us so they kind of stay away from the conventional religions that we know today because they feel like people will have evolved past those religions and it looks like a Star Trek Discovery is tackling not conv- one conventional religion, like not completely focusing on uh, Buddhism or Christianity or or uh, Islam, but just the idea of religion. And I'm here for it. I'm gonna see where their ride is going to take us as far as uh, religion in Trek is concerned, and how this all has to do with Spock, somehow, who we find out has admitted himself into a psychiatric facility because he believes he's batshit nuts. Again, it's keeping me on the edge of my seat. I cannot wait until next week, Thursday, for the for the next installment of Star Trek Discovery. I have not watched the Orville yet because I had to make a decision. And my decision was Star Trek Discovery tonight. So tomorrow I'll be I'll be jumping into the Orville and Young Justice. And I know I know Tuesday's episode is going to be loaded with all types of conversation about that today. However, as a matter of fact, I might just go on a freaking marathon on Tuesday because I got some time to burn as far as uh, the minutes that uh, I have available to to record before i leave here today though because you know like i said i kind of waited to do my recording when i should have done it earlier when i had more time to just sit up and just chit chat about all this stuff but i am going to of course give an adventurous in-game theory and this theory suggests all right before i tell you about this theory I'm going to tell you, I've come up with a alternative theory as well and it is on YouTube. You can go and search uh, After The Snap on YouTube and you will find me on video explaining, explaining why I don't think Captain Rogers will die in Avengers Endgame. It's a really short theory, it's like three minutes because this was me actually filming a video and I still have not mastered the art of video editing. So I had to make it quick so it will be an easy edit. But anyway, I'm I'm pretty sure that that's not exciting it, at all. So anyway, going into this theory that's been floating around. This is not my theory. This theory belongs to Redditor. I believe his name is AK2SUP. AK2SUP. So that is the name and the theory suggests that our Avengers will defeat or kill Thanos in the past 2012 timeline during the events of the New York battle. So according to this individual, this is the best way to undo the snap without changing the future, even though anything you do in the past changes the future, but Carrying on with this theory, the heroes, uh, Tony, Ant-Man, Captain Marvel, Nebula, Thor, Rocket, Natasha, Rody, not present Bruce Banner, and Steve Rogers, because they need both of them from the past timeline. Now, I don't understand why, but we'll just continue. They will travel to the 2012 timeline of New York Invasion as seen in the set photos, and all of them go undercover to hide from their past selves. Tony and Ant-Man will steal the scepter slash Mind Stone for temporary use and interrogate Loki to learn more about Thanos and his current whereabouts. They then team up with past Steve Rogers and Hulk. Together they travel to the Sanctuary, the domain of Thanos, and we just talked about that earlier today. Um, at that time, Thanos had no Infinity Stones, but just a double-bladed sword. And we've seen leaked photos of Thanos's double-bladed sword. So he had the double-bladed sword, the Black Order with supergiants, and an army. And this also explains Tony's Age of Ultron vision. Remember, the MCU put meaningful lines and scenes to use them later so Tony's vision was some kind of foreshadowing. The Avengers fight both Supergiant and Thanos and manage to defeat slash kill the mad titan there. As they defeat slash kill him in the past, the events of Infinity War will be erased and thus the snap never happens. And this will alter the events of Guardian of the Galaxy, you think? But a little bit in many things remain the same so not a bad theory they're saying that hey they going back in time anyway we assume from the leaked set photos that they'll end up back in new york around the time of the battle of new york so what better time to get rid of the mad titan than right there they know that loki uh, knows where to find him. catch up with loki there find out where thanos is and do them in in 2012 and that just changes the entire timeline moving forward does it make sense yeah it makes sense not a bad theory there's so many coming out and of course because everybody just i won't say everybody because some people don't but there are a lot of people who are simply racking their brains trying to figure out how this situation can be rectified and I'm just so I'm so excited that so many people are engaged and putting their ideas out there in the world so that people can, can either agree or disagree. There's nothing right or wrong about this because we are all just speculating. So it's nothing. Don't be shy. Do not be shy about having a theory, especially when none of us are going to be right in the end. It's it's like it's going to be some type of combination of everybody's theory and that might be what's right. I also want to touch on the good news that uh, the MCU got out of their camp two movies. They were nominated for Academy Awards. In fact, Infinity War was nominated for Best Visual Effects and Black Panther was nominated for seven, seven Academy Awards, including Best Picture, which unheard of has never happened before. Superhero movies just don't get nominated for Best Picture until now. So they broke the glass ceiling on that. And there's been a lot of questions and people complaining, infinity war should have been nominated for best picture as well and i've got a theory because i keep theories in my back pocket that is like currency is a theory but i've got a theory as to why because i was talking to a friend of mine at work and miss candace is not a marvel fan she's not a superhero fan at all in fact when i tell talk to her and say miss candace i'm going to see xyz movie she was like that's a cartoon so miss candace does not subscribe to the superhero theory but she had heard the buzz so around february uh, when the movie first came out there was so much buzz surrounding black panther she's like i'm going to see one of them cartoons that's i'm going to see black panther so she goes to see black panther completely is able to follow the story enjoy the story be engaged by the story and feel invested in the characters in the movie fast forward to april same thing you know we we go to see avengers infinity war this lady cannot enjoy the movie because she doesn't know the characters and she doesn't understand what's going on and i'm saying my theory is that Black Panther is a better stand alone movie because and it can be nominated for Best Picture because anybody can go to that movie and get enjoyment out of it. Follow the story. You don't have to have previous knowledge of these characters to understand what's going on because it is his origin story. So this is the first time that we are getting the full story of the Black Panther in the MCU so they're telling you all the little intricacies they even gave you the backstory of how Wakanda was formed on uh, the, the Rock of Vibranium so this movie is a complete movie as much as we love Infinity War it's not a complete movie because without all these other chapters you have no freaking clue what's going on and that is why when it comes to Infinity War it will not Get a perfect score from me because it is not a perfect picture, only because a person with no zero knowledge will be a little fuzzy about what's going on. Whereas Black Panther, which is like kind of like me hinting at something, huh? Black Panther could get a perfect score from me because, except for, well, we'll talk about Black Panther in a few weeks, but Black Panther could hypothetically get a perfect score from me because it's a complete story you get what I'm saying it has a beginning it has an end um Infinity War doesn't particularly have an end it's a cliffhanger it really doesn't particularly have a beginning you have to know the history of some other things to get a vibe of what's going on you feel me Capiche. okay so Let me know if you uh, agree or disagree or how you feel about that situation. You know, there's going to be differing opinions on that. But I do believe that it it was not it was not a bad choice for Best Picture nomination. It is it's easy to see how they could pick one over the other where I thought we should have it should have been something else. It should have been into the Spider-Verse. I know people are tired of hearing me say it. That was the best superhero movie of the year in 2018. I'm sorry. I'm sorry, Aquaman fans. I'm sorry, Black Panther fans. I'm sorry, Infinity War fans. I'm a fan of all of those movies, except for Aquaman. I was just kind of ambivalent about Into the Spider-Verse. Again, complete movie, had a beginning, had an end. Same friend in fact, my same friend took her grandchildren to go see Into the Spider-Verse. And she loved that movie. I, I really need to get her on the show just to talk about her experiences with these different movies, but she loved that movie for what it meant to her grandchildren and for the story. Um, also, last but not least, I'm I'm having a problem trying while I'm talking here to pull up my Facebook page so that I could share a comment about our uh, Xavier, Martin and Xavier episode, and I, it's, it's not, it's not um, cooperating. Oh, here we are, because it was by uh, Tessa Sanders, who is one of the founding members of the Snap Survivors group on Facebook. And at the end of the Martin or towards the middle of the Martin and Xavier episode, I asked how many people are excited to see Dark Phoenix? And she also had a comment about the, uh, the topic of the episode. So I'm just going to read her comment real quick because she is astute as always in her wisdom. So she says, I am super excited to see Dark Phoenix. So another person who is super excited to see dark phoenix however i'm at the back end of tessa's comments i'm gonna share one more thing before i cut out of here okay so so she's super excited as well to see dark phoenix and she also says and i i'm reading right from her comment i've heard the argument of professor x being like martin luther king jr and magneto being malcolm x people forget that martin was assassinated by the government because he was beginning to call out white supremacy and the oppressive system in America against blacks in order to advance as a people or a species. We need both ideologies of these two men, just like the X men needed both Professor X and Magneto. And I agree. I am in complete and total agreement with her. I'm trying to convince her to come on the show. With me when I do the Dark Phoenix and the uh, <laughs> Malcolm Magneto episode, but uh, she's she's on the fence. So we'll we'll see. But yes, her points, I, I take them exactly as she's saying it. it is. We need both of those ideologies. They are two sides of the same coin. It is no um, it. In fact, Martin Luther King was getting to a point where he wasn't telling people to uh, be violent, but he wasn't really preaching that turn the other cheek stuff uh, as much. And it is true that Martin was assassinated by our government. Our government was behind the assassination of Martin Luther King. So um, you just think about that. (laughs) You think about that. So thank you, Tessa, for for all your support and also for your nice comments. You always leave something almost every episode. But this was one that I said, let me share. She's she's always uh, got something to add. And it's usually something that is got is like a very good opinion and something that I failed to say in the episode. So kudos. Now, I don't know. I always talk every week about a YouTube channel that I like. Besides my own. And this week it's John Campia. And you know John Campia is kind of, he was used to be with Collider. He's kind of a, a big name in the movie type of circuit. He's a movie critic. He is a director. He he has worn many hats. And right now he does a show on YouTube. Several shows. He's always working. I'm telling you, this man is always busy. However, today I was listening to one because I like try to catch up with them while I'm just lounging around on my days off. And he was talking, the title of this whole thing was Dark Phoenix is a disaster. And he was talking about how he had gotten word that Dark Phoenix is a mess, that it is not going to be a good movie. And have I mentioned that sometimes I like to watch train wrecks. So I'm going to see that movie, whether it's a mess or not. Um, the, the the franchise of X Men under Fox, for the most part, has been a successful franchise. It's it's had a successful run, and if this is the culmination of what Fox had to add to the Fox Men, I mean, I'm sorry, add to the X Men story, I'm going to watch it. We've been warned, though. If you are not a subscriber to John Campea, I think that's how you say his last name, so it's spelled C-A-M-P-E-A, subscribe to his channel. He gives you all types of information, backstories, behind the scenes, all of that. John Campea is the man, and I, I enjoy his show, and his show, and then you will pay attention when he does his live chats, because a lot of them is like live chats. How much money this man is getting sent to his Patreon account per episode? So the man is getting—I mean, they, his his supporters are keeping him paid, keeping him on the air, and he has a much more uh, streamlined studio type quality to his videos, and it's just—he's—he's he's a great uh, personality. And I can understand why his Patreon supporters just keep him going the way they do. Speaking of Patreon support, if you'd like to support After The Snap, so I can get to be like John Campilla, you can do that at patreon.com slash after the snap, or you can do a one-time donation at paypal.me slash after the snap. You can also just send me an email. Let's chat it up after the snap at gmail.com. You can find me on social medias and all the social medias after the snap on Facebook. Then join the group Snap Survivors because that's where it all goes down. Then you can find me on Twitter at snap after. You can find me on Instagram after the snap 2018. And uh, yeah, that's all the places that you're going to reach me. I used to have a phone number i think i am going to just get rid of it because i don't remember it and nobody calls anyway so even when i do put the number out there nobody's calling it i'm going to get rid of the number maybe when we get a little bigger i'll i'll revisit the phone number thing again but yes just follow me on youtube subscribe i need like four thousand no i don't i need four thousand hours of video watched and i need one thousand subscribers And I am like half of a percent of the way there. So help my sister out. I got nothing else. I'll catch you on the flip. Oh, damn. Good. You stayed for the post credits. Three things that I failed to mention. Three. One of those things was the Stan Lee cameo for Guardians of the Galaxy. Guardians of the Galaxy did have a Stan Lee cameo, and that was on the planet Xandar. He was talking to a young chick, and Rocket Direct, who called him a prevert. So that was our Stan Lee cameo for Guardians of the Galaxy. I also failed to mention the uh, Stan Lee cameo for Winter Soldier, and I don't know how I did that. So that happened when Stanley was working as a security guard at the Captain America exhibit. Captain America went, stole the uniform off of the exhibit. Stan Lee says, I am so fired. That was our Stanley cameo for the Winter Soldier. Last fact that I failed to mention. Was that, did you know that Black Panther was only the third movie in the last 25 years to be nominated for Best Picture and for none of the other major awards, like uh, Best Director, Best, Best Supporting Actor and Actresses? None of that. We got none of those things. We only got Best Picture. So as far as major awards go. So those are my three facts that I failed to mention. I'm pretty sure I could think of plenty more things, but post-credit scenes are supposed to be short. Catch you on the flip.